Many of those things are good gifts from God. What about the parts of life that aren't Instagram worthy? Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. My name's Luke. I'm one of the ministers here at PCC. And I don't know if y'all have figured this out about me or not, but I'm not like cool. Um, Who am I kidding? You've definitely figured it out by now. Like I'm not cool. I've never have been cool. Never will be cool. I've never been on the cutting edge of anything in my life. I don't have social media. I live under a rock. I'm basically Amish without the beard because I can't even grow one of those, right? Like that's just kind of who I am. And uh, so, but I had this great idea this morning in the eight o'clock service, the first service where to put it generously, like the average age of that service is a little bit higher than it is in this one. And so I had this great idea this morning that I'm going to teach these people what a hack hashtag is. It was this cool idea, except I found out they are already new. Like we have the world's coolest and hippest old people. And I found out that once again, I was the least cool person in the room. Uh, and so then I started to compare myself to Steve and I felt better about myself. So it'll all be okay. Um, but like Steve said earlier, uh, we're starting a brand new series today called The Blessing. And I'm convinced that if you hang with us for all seven weeks of this series, uh, it's going to have a profound impact on your life. Now, for some of you though, when I mention the word blessing, or we talk about being blessed, uh, it's kind of an automatic turnoff because the culture's kind of hijacked this concept of blessing. If you look up hashtag blessed on Instagram or Bookface or whatever you have, you know, like if, if you look that up, you're going to come across millions and millions of posts and pictures of coffee mugs and cars and workout routines and exotic vacations and new babies and graduations and promotions and business startups and love lives and every possible angle of success and beauty and prosperity, hashtag blessed, too blessed to be stressed. Am I right? And certainly many of those things are good gifts from God, but it does beg the question, what about the parts of life that aren't Instagram worthy? Like what about when you feel distant from your spouse or you're struggling in school or you're struggling with infertility? Or what about when you lose your job or you're wondering if you're gonna have enough money for retirement? Or what about when your child has gone astray or the doctor's report comes back and it's not very good? What then? Has God abandoned you? Are you no longer hashtag blessed? Are you hashtag cursed? And at the root of this is the question that we are all asking, whether you're a kid with us in the room today or even a parent, we're all asking this question whether or not you know it. It's what is the good life? Who has the good life? Who gets to be blessed? Is it the people with money and health and good looks? But the Bible actually says that the good life begins with those who are blessed. But the biblical picture of blessing is quite a bit different. The Bible talks a lot about this. In fact, just in the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible talks over 400 times about the concept of blessing. And it starts way back in the very beginning when God created everything. He made the heavens and the earth. And look what God does. Genesis chapter one says, God looks at everything he made and God saw that it was good and God blessed them. So we're gonna learn two lessons together today about blessing. And the first lesson is right here, just this. It's that every time God blesses, blessing is a gift of grace. Blessing is a gift of grace. Creation did absolutely nothing to earn God's blessing and yet God blesses it anyway. And then God created human beings. He makes Adam and Eve. And what is the very first thing he does for people before they ever do anything to earn it? 
Genesis chapter one says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God made us so that he could bless us. But that blessing comes with a command. Right here in verse 28, it says, God says to Adam and to Eve, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So the very first biblical command to Adam and to Eve is to take God's blessing to every corner of the world. This leads us then to the second lesson about grace. It's that you and I as human beings, we're not just meant to be blessees, we're also meant to be blessers. Here's our second lesson is that God's blessing is meant to be shared. So God's blessing is a gift of grace. That's lesson number one. And God's blessing is meant to be shared. That's lesson number two. And we see this still right here in Genesis. A few chapters later, God shows up to a man named Abram. Uh, Later, God changes his name to Abraham. Say Abraham. Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, it's one of those big mountaintop texts in scripture. God shows up to this guy named Abraham and he makes him a promise that is gonna shape the story of the rest of the Bible. Here's what God says to Abraham. God says this. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. There's lesson number one about blessing. It's all grace. And here's lesson number two. God says this to Abraham. He says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So there's lesson number two. God's blessing is meant to be shared. You were blessed to be a blessing. But here's the problem with that. Sharing the blessing isn't natural for us, is it? Like as as human beings, our natural bent is to enhance our own blessedness rather than to look around and to see how can I bless that other person? And so it creates what we see around us is that we are a society of blessing selfish people, blessing starved people, where we hoard the goodness for ourselves, and yet we are hungry to still be seen and noticed and affirmed by those around us. And that's not new to 21st century America. We see that same old story throughout the whole Bible as well. Even in Abraham's family, Abraham, he has a son named Isaac. Isaac grows up, he marries this girl named Rebecca and together they have twin boys. So Isaac and Rebecca have these two twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, but all is not well in this family of four because the Bible says that Isaac, the dad, he loved his son Esau the best and Rebecca, the mom, loved the son Jacob the best. Everybody say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, yeah, it's not good. And so we see that this story of this family is a story of tragedy where these two brothers, Jacob and Esau, spend their lives competing for the blessing of their parents. You can go read it for yourself this week in Genesis chapter 25. It's a story full of lies and dysfunction and disappointment because Jacob, the younger brother, ends up stealing the blessing from his brother Esau and this family is just totally devastated by a mishandling of the blessing because they missed the first two rules about blessing. They missed the fact that it's all by grace. Jacob and Esau were forced to earn it. And they missed the fact that it was supposed to be shared because they kept hoarding it for themselves. And so this family is broken and Jacob, the younger brother, he runs away because Esau, the older brother, wants to kill him for stealing the blessing. And so they're apart for most of their lives. But then there's this amazing scene where Jacob, the little brother, is on his way back to see Esau for the very first time since he stole the blessing. So the blessing stealer is coming back to meet up for the first time with the unblessed brother. And you could cut the tension with a knife. We're on the edge of our seats. What's gonna happen? But on his way back, the night before he sees Esau, Jacob meets this man. God come down, comes down as a man, except Jacob doesn't know it's God. He just thinks it's another guy. And they wrestle. They wrestle all night long until just as daybreak is breaking over the horizon, uh, the man says to Jacob, he says, let me go. But Jacob, who's still hungry, still starving for a blessing, 
He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so the man, actually it's God, does bless Jacob. And so we're back to lesson number one, that it's, it's all grace, remember, because guys, if you read through the book of Genesis, you're gonna find Jacob, he's kind of a scumbag. Like he, he does not deserve a blessing. He's a liar, he's a scoundrel, he's a thief. Kids, don't grow up to be like Jacob. And yet God blesses him anyway. And there's this incredible moment that, that for the first time in his life, Jacob has a blessing that he doesn't have to steal. And it, it changes him. He's not perfect from there on out. He still plays favorites and does some other things he shouldn't do. But, but Jacob is fundamentally changed as he receives God's blessing because Jacob himself would go on to have 12 sons. Now in that culture, you would only really bless the oldest son. Any firstborn sons in the room today? Raise your hand if you're a firstborn son. Yeah, me too. We got it going on, right? Okay. And we would be the ones to get the blessing. We would be the ones who'd be blessed by our parents. We'd carry on the legacy. And yet there's this amazing thing that in the Bible, actually God extends his blessing most of the time, not through the firstborn son. He uses the youngest kids. Youngest kids say, woohoo. And then all you middle kids out there with your complexes, even God uses you too. You guys still have a place in the kingdom of God. It's amazing. And so Jacob, he flips the cultural expectations on their head. He blesses all 12 of his sons. And yet it's amazing that the son who gets the best blessing, it's not his oldest son, Reuben. It's not even his most famous or successful son, Joseph. The kid who gets the best blessing from God is the most lousy, low down, slimy son of all. His name is Judah. Say Judah. 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 And it's Genesis chapter 49. Jacob, he's blessing all 12 of his sons with these incredible promises. And he comes to Judah and he gives the best blessing of all. He says things like, Judah, you're a lion's cub. He says, the scepter is never gonna depart from you. Now that sounds a little weird to us, but in Bible times, they know that means, hey, Judah, kings are gonna come from you. And they do. All these kings come from the family of Judah. And then ultimately, hundreds of years later, Jesus, the king of heaven and earth, comes from the family of Judah, the very son of God. And he shows up to fulfill God's promise to Abraham to be a blessing to the whole world. And Jesus, he's the greatest preacher, the greatest teacher of all time. And so the greatest preacher, greatest teacher of all time begins the greatest sermon of all time with just one word. You know what Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount with? You know what he says? He says, blessed blessed. The, the Greek word is makarios. Say makarios. Now you can tell all your friends, you know, Greek, it just means happy. And so it begs the question again, right? Like who gets to be happy? Who gets to be blessed? Who, who gets the good life? Who's it for? Now we know the world's answer, right? They'd say, blessed are the self-promoters. Blessed are the successful. Blessed are the smart people. Blessed are those who have lots of friends. Blessed are those who have everything they want. Blessed are the rich and famous. Blessed are the influencers. But Jesus comes and he flips all of that on its head. Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus says to start it off in Matthew chapter five. This is the message paraphrase. Jesus says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care 
At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourselves cared for. You're blessed. When you get to your inside world, your mind and your heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. Jesus says, God's blessing, the good life, is coming on those who least expect it. The grieving, the brokenhearted, the poor, the mistreated, the desperate. I don't know what season of life you're in right now, whether it's a good season or it's a hard season, but regardless, even when your life doesn't necessarily feel Instagram worthy, God says you're blessed. Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you have Jesus, you can wake up every single day, no matter what's going on, and you can say, I'm blessed. I have the good life. I have a father in heaven who loves me. I have his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for me. I have his Holy Spirit living inside me to empower me and guide me. I have a spiritual family that'll stick with me in all the ups and downs. And even when my end comes, I have a better life than this one waiting for me. I'm blessed. And lesson number one, remember, it's all grace. But lesson number two, also remember that it's meant to be shared, that we've been blessed to be a blessing. And I think we know this intrinsically. If I sneeze right now, what will you say? Yeah, some of you who are weird, you'll say gesundheit, right? But most of you will say, bless you. And I've been sneezing all the time. It's allergy season, you know? Well, well, that actually originated way back in the 500s AD, the 6th century AD, as the bubonic plague was sweeping across Europe. And so if people would sneeze, it was a sign that they were likely getting sick, that you might have the plague. And if you had the plague, probably the odds were not very good. It's like if you sneeze in public, you know, even like today, people are like, ah, oh, get thee away from me, you know, that whole kind of thing. And so... The Pope Gregory the Great, when he heard people starting to sneeze, he started to say, God bless you. And it was a prayer, a prayer to save that person from death. And we are living in a world full of people who are desperate to hear us as the bearers of God's blessing say, God bless you, to the ones who need it most. There's a lady by the name of Marianne Bird, and she's a writer. And, and she tells about her growing up years, how she was just longing for a blessing. Mary Ann was born with a, a cleft palate before reparative surgery was as available as it is now. And she was also deaf in one ear. So you can imagine how it was for this little girl at school. She was just teased mercilessly by her classmates because she couldn't drink from the water fountain or she couldn't blow up a balloon and, and she looked funny. And so her classmates would say things like, Mary Ann, what happened to your lip? And she'd lie. She'd say, I cut it on a piece of glass. And one of the worst parts of school for her was the annual hearing test because the teacher would call each child up to her desk and the teacher would have the child then cover one ear and then the other ear and the teacher would whisper something to the child, something like, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. And this was called the whisper test. And if the teacher's phrase was heard and repeated, then the child would pass the test. But Mary Ann hated this test because she was deaf in one ear, remember. But one year, Mary Ann was in the class of a teacher named Miss Leonard, 
who was much beloved in the school. She was one of the most beloved teachers of all. Every student, including Mary Ann, just wanted to be noticed by her, wanted to be her pet. But then came the day of the annual hearing test. And as Mary Ann was called to the teacher's desk, she cupped her hand over her good ear and Miss Leonard leaned forward to whisper. Mary Ann writes this. She said, I waited for those words which God must have put into her mouth, those seven words which changed my life. Because Miss Leonard did not say, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. No, she leaned in very carefully to make sure that Mary Ann could hear her. And she said, I wish you were my little girl. And from God, by grace, the blessing was shared. One of the things I love most about our church is our generational diversity. We have an incredible heritage. Um, So can I challenge those of you in the room who have gray hair or no hair? You're looking a little shiny today, I see you. (laughs) Can I challenge you? You have been blessed. And there are hundreds of young families and young children in this building every week who are hungry for your blessing, who are thirsty to hear those words of life out of your mouth. So will you give them that blessing? Uh, We have the kids in the room with us today. So if you guys are under the age of 18, if you are a kid right now, look right at me. Look me in the eyes. I want you to look around the room here for a second. Look around the room if you're a kid. This is your spiritual family. These are the people who love you and are praying for you and we want to be your family for the rest of your life and we want to bless you right now. So I know this might be a little odd, but if you've got your kids with you, uh, just put your hand on them, put your, put your arm around them, put your hand on their shoulder and keep your eyes open and we wanna bless you kids. Uh, when Jesus came to earth and he was baptized, God the Father spoke down in a voice from heaven and he said, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. And that's what God says to you today too. You are God's son. You're God's daughter whom he loves. And with you, he is well pleased. May you grow every day in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength for all of your days. And may you know every day of your life that you are loved by your church family and loved by your father in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. And if you are a parent or a grandparent, or if in any way you are involved in raising or training a child, we want to bless you too. You have been entrusted with a sacred task and a difficult task. But may the God who has given you this task and entrusted you with the care of his children fill you with his spirit and give you everything you need for each and every day. May he give you the patience for the long days and the courage for the hard conversations and the wisdom for the difficult moments. May he remind you each and every day of the high calling you have been given and the high love that you have been filled with. And may his joy be your strength. And all God's people said. And if you are not in one of those other two groups, if you're not child rearing, if if you're a senior citizen or if you're single, if you're in college and you're still seeking God's will for your life, I want you to still look around the room just like we had the kids do. This is your family. You're not left out. You don't get a jail, get out of jail free card, okay? We need your wisdom, we need your gifts, we need your involvement, and you are a part of this family, much needed and much desired, and we wanna bless you too. So may the God who made you and knit you together in your mother's womb remind you that he does not make mistakes, 
that he reminds you how blessed you are in him and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made to look like him. May he put a call on your life, bold and clear, a place for you to use your gifts where your deep joy meets the world's deep need. May you grow more satisfied in him, more depth in love with him and with his people every day. And may you lay your head down on your pillow every single night knowing that you are loved by your father in heaven. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, now I'm done with the introduction of my sermon. Um, I'm kidding, kind of. Uh, (laughs) We've been going through this whole year through the writings of John. John was one of Jesus's 12 disciples. And in the Bible, he calls himself the one Jesus loved. And so we've been calling this a year with Jesus's best friend. And we spent a few months in the gospel of John, which are the stories that John writes for us about the life of Jesus. And then we went through some letters that John wrote to some ancient churches, really creatively titled 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And this year, we're closing the year in the very last book of the Bible that John also wrote, the book of Revelation. Now, when I just said the word revelation, some of you got really excited because you think we're gonna start talking about the end times. And others of you just got really scared because it feels like we're getting ready to walk through a haunted house or like you're a fourth grader who just signed up for a class in quantum mechanics. Breathe easy, all of you, okay? Because uh, we went through the book of Revelation more chapter by chapter last year. So we're taking a little bit of a different angle here. In the book of Revelation, there are seven blessings called Beatitudes. And so we're gonna spend seven weeks walking through each of those blessings, talking about how Jesus describes the good life, what it means to be blessed. And today we're gonna see blessing number one right out of the gates in Revelation chapter one. Here's what John writes in verses one through three. He says, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And here it is. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Ha ha, that's me. (laughs) And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. That's you because the time is near. So if you read and obey the book of Revelation, God promises that you will be blessed. So if you hear one thing I say this morning, hear this. The blessing is in the book. The blessing is in the book. I I heard the story of a son who was going off to a liberal seminary and before he left for school, his father said to him, don't don't let him take Jonah from you. Son said, dad, dad, what in the world are you talking about? He He said, don't let him take Jonah from you. All those liberal scholars at the school, they don't think Jonah actually happened. They don't think it's historical. They just think it's an allegory and that it doesn't belong in the Bible. So son, don't let them take Jonah from you. Well, the son goes off to school and sure enough, two years later, he comes home and the father says, well, did you let him take Jonah from you? He said, dad, that, that story couldn't possibly have happened. There's no way it's historical. It's gotta be allegorical. It doesn't belong in the Bible. And the dad said, see, I told you, you let him take Jonah right out of your Bible. And the son said, dad, Jonah's not a story in your Bible either. Father said, well, sure it is. He went and got his Bible and started to look it up and he's pawing through it, looked in the concordance. He couldn't find the book of Jonah anywhere. And the son said, dad, I cut the book of Jonah out of your Bible two years ago before I went to school. And you haven't noticed till right now. Now you tell me which is worse, that I don't believe it or that you ignore it. Listen, I love that we're a church with strong beliefs about the Bible and we always will be. May we also be people who read the Bible. Because John says the blessing is in this book. If you're mature in your faith, if you've, if you've read the Bible before, if you've been around Jesus and following Jesus for a while, I've got a challenge for you and it might be a challenge. But I want you to read the book of Revelation this week. 
Take you an hour or two. You can sit down and read it. If you don't wanna read it, that's okay. You can listen to it read aloud on the YouVersion Bible app or the Dwell Bible app. And as you do, don't get bogged down in the details. I want you to ask one question as you read. What does this tell me about Jesus? John just told us in the verses we read that this book is meant to reveal Jesus. So read the book of Revelation this week and look for what it says about Jesus. And God promises that you will be blessed. And maybe if you've never done this before, like maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, but reading the Bible's new to you, you haven't really made that a habit yet, or maybe you're brand new to following Jesus, or maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just curious, and you're thinking, A, this either sounds really intimidating, or B, sounds like a checklist thing, like of course the preacher's gonna tell you to read the Bible when you come to church, right? Here's what I wanna say to you. Reading the Bible will not save you, but it will lead you to someone who will. We meet Jesus on these pages. These are his thoughts, his words. You can still catch the scent of his breath in these stories. And he will save you and he will bless you. We don't get to know him outside of the Bible. This is where we start. So if you've never done this before, we have a few little tips for you that we'll get to later on. But the bottom line is we want you to start by knowing that this is not just another book. These are God's words. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And these words are strong and they will be powerful in your life. Jeremiah chapter 23, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. And Psalm one promises that you will be blessed if you meditate, if you chew on God's words. He says, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. God God's word always works. Isaiah chapter 55, God says, my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And God's word is strong. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And if we believe that, if we believe that God's word carries that kind of power, May we be people who are so pumped full of God's truth that when life cuts you, you bleed Bible. That's why John says to these people in Revelation chapter one, these people who are going through the hardest thing they've ever experienced. They're persecuted, they're being slandered, they're facing job loss and intimidation and exile and even death for their faith. And he starts not by saying, don't give up or here's a few tips on how to survive. He says, remember the blessings in the book. I think a lot of us are concerned with the state of our culture right now, aren't we? And the worldviews that our young people are having to deal with day in and day out. As we are, let's not play the blame game. Let's remember that it's not all their fault and that if our young people have not always been equipped with a biblical worldview, that's on us. It's our job to train them. And then the same way, if you wanna change the world, you start with the children. Back in the 1940s, there was an author by the name of Stetson Kennedy, and he went undercover in the Ku Klux Klan, uh, trying to kind of undermine them. And so he learned the codes and the rituals of the KKK, aiming to expose them. And the most influential thing that he did to undermine the KKK was that in 1946, he teamed up with some other writers to broadcast a 16-episode series where Superman battled against the Fiery Cross Klan. And all of a sudden, just like that, the kids were watching that cartoon and all across the country, kids started pretending to be the man of steel fighting against these white-robed racist bad guys. And just like that, immediately, the Klan's enrollment dropped and their power was weakened. If you wanna change the world, start with the children. Back in 17th century England, uh, most families owned only three books, the Bible, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and Pilgrim's Progress. 
And so you can imagine some cold, dark evening as the families huddled around the fire and they didn't have any Netflix to binge. And so the kids would say, dad, read us a story. And so the father would pick up Pilgrim's Progress, that great story written by John Bunyan. And for a while, the kids would be spellbound by the the tale of Pilgrim and Hopeful on their perilous journey to the celestial city. And then the next night, boredom would set in again and the kids were eager for a new and different story. And so the dad would pick up Fox's Book of Martyrs and he would read to his children the testimonies of these early believers who were thrown into the Roman arena, little boys and girls and moms and dads and elderly men and women who prayed and who sang even as the lions attacked them. And the father would read to his children the story of these Christian men and women like Polycarp and Perpetua who refused to abandon Jesus and testified faithfully. They considered their witness more important than clinging to their own survival and so they joyfully gave up their lives. And the father would read to his children the last words of martyrs like John Bradford who said to the Christian who's being burned to death alongside him, be of good cheer, my brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. And then, of course, mom would chime in and she'd say, honey, enough of those gory stories. You're gonna give the kids nightmares. And so the dad would pick up his Bible and he'd read verses like Psalm 119, verse nine, which says, how can a young person keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And he would read his children the stories of Abraham and Moses and David and Jesus and the disciples and Paul and the early church. And is it any wonder that a generation of children raised on those three books went on to lay the foundation for the modern missionary movement and lay the foundation for the great awakening, the greatest revival that this continent has ever seen? If you wanna change the world, you start with the children. And I'd encourage you, if you don't yet, read the Bible with your kids. The blessings in this book. If this is new to you, we're gonna post on social media some practical tips for how to start reading the Bible. Um, Anything is good, right? But like sometimes the flip and dip method is not the best. You know, flip, dip. Uh, Therefore, Judas went forth and hanged himself. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing. Help us to live this out today, right? Like it's not the best, okay? There's a better way. Um, You can start in the gospels. If you've never read it before, start in the gospel of John, just the stories of Jesus. And as you read, we have some basic questions we want you to ask. They're on the bulletin. If you got those, they'll be on social media or on the screen this week. Just ask some questions like this. What's happening in this text? What's confusing or what's interesting? What does this tell me about God? Is there an example to follow? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to trust? Is there a prayer to repeat? Is there a command to obey? Is there a warning to listen to? Is there a truth to memorize? Even if reading is not your thing, you can listen to the audio Bible on the Dwell Bible app or the YouVersion uh, Bible app. If you uh, run into something confusing, which you will, I do every single day, reach out to one of us on staff or reach out to your group leader or you can go to the Bible Project. They have, they have these great videos that walk you through every single text in the whole Bible. And if reading the Bible with your kids is new and intimidating for you, talk to our next gen staff over in the treehouse. We'd love to hook you up with the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a great place to start. Because on the good days and the bad, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, the blessing is in this book. Let's pray. God, if the blessing is in this book, it's because we meet you there. These words are nothing without you who breathe them into being. So we wanna know you, we wanna hear from you. And as we dig into your word, Lord, we ask that you would speak and that we would meet you we would obey you, and that we would find a life that is more blessed than any we've ever known. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. 
If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week. 